Welcome to the Train Rush, the lead on the line of your train gaming podcast, with your hosts, Dave Moss and Craig Taylor. Hi. So I think that, that was probably a pretty obscure British train delay reference there, but hopefully that resonates with some of our listeners. We know what the people want, Dave. They, <laughs> they either come to us for our trainness or our Britishness. There's no other audience. Indeed, they don't, they don't come for the rest of the stuff we do. So um, I think this is another episode where we're going to start talking about a, a game that we've been playing quite a lot recently. You've played more than I have. So I guess at that point, I should probably ask you to introduce the game, really. Of course. So the game today, which is going to be featured, is Tokyo Metro. Tokyo Metro was published in 2018 by Jordan Draper Games. Kickstarted towards the start of this year, I believe. Yes, January. January yeah, this year. Uh, it came as part of a, a set for three games, wasn't it? It was the ultimate offering of the mm. Tokyo series that Jordan's producing. Indeed, the Tokyo series, which features Tokyo Jotaku, uh, which is Tokyo Architect. I'm glad you can say that. Then no, I. I can't. I can't. It's okay. No one's going to call me on it. Um, which is a speed reaction game that plays kind of like Galaxy Trucker. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Tokyo Vending Machine. which Jidobanki? Is it vending machine, Dave? Vending machine. <laughs> I don't want to offend any more than I have to. Which is an anthology game, features about 20 games in the box, but most importantly, it features components that can be used to expand the game that we're reviewing today. And just on that, that Tokyo vending machine, that comes with some lovely 3D printed stuff, I think, doesn't it? Well, that was how it was developed. They're actually cast now. Oh. So the translation of the 3D printed mini things into small casted mini things is superb yeah it looks amazing anyway but we won't talk about that game today uh, it isn't the one we're here to review so that is is tokyo metro well i guess it's relevant in so much as the production standards are high and they do translate into the game we're talking it, it about as an expansion yeah absolutely but we'll talk about that one later so first off um talk more about tokyo metro as i say you've played more mm. than i have so so guide our listeners through the game sure it is an economic game that runs in about 90 minutes to two hours ostensibly although my experience for players first play probably want to allow about three hours because the way you score things is quite unique and i don't mean if it's your first train game i mean if it's your first game of this it's unique full stop the way in-game scoring is done and end-game scoring yeah i think if you come to this as, as a train game aficionado it's definitely going to change some of the things you, you're normally used to you would be looking at it and, and you'll think differently afterwards but we'll, we'll touch on that i think during some of the mm. feedback later at the highest level it's a Euro game that uses train game scoring mechanisms. Specifically, most money at the end wins. Money being cash on hand and value of your stocks. Quite uniquely, as far as train games are concerned, it features actual trains that run to a schedule. So, we'll come back to that though, but that's one of the unique features. Another feature is the map structure itself. The rails are fixed. The game's players operate on a fixed map of the Tokyo Metro Underground, from which they are trying to extract the most value, as I described previously. Where players put their stamp on the board, so to speak, is defining where their station franchises are going to be, and investing in railway lines, so, so i.e. deciding what order, collectively, the trains are going to come online and just back to that point of, of tokyo vending machine the stations is where the vending machine element would come into the game yeah but but again we won't talk about that one now sorry i keep taking us off topic so um but yes as you say again looking at it from a traditional train game of view you're, you're not building tracks creating routes it's all there for you you're just as you say trying to work out how they intersect with where you are on the board to, to derive value mm, it's a fixed puzzle in that sense and we'll come back to that so how is the action driven what's the interface well 
primarily players will perform activities using worker placement okay so you've got this map where your agent for want of a better term can move around the board and where he is on the board defines where you can build station franchises so there's a bit of brouhaha around turn order priority based on closed bids you move your dude stroke do that and then you go into worker placement it's a feast for odin style work for placement in the sense that some of the spots require you to spend multiple workers to activate them. So one of the things I, I thought quite interesting as well that kind of comes alongside that is the the fact that it's a rotating set of worker placement spots. There, there are de their mm. decks of cards, and those cards will cycle through the game. You yeah. you lose one off the end each turn. You you bring a new one in. So. Yeah. Let's let's take let's take that a bit more slowly. There's no board for worker placement, and like you said, there's six decks of cards. And there's early game cards, there's mid game cards, there's late game cards. But within each strata, it's randomised. So there's some variance as to what strategy is going to be the more viable. things are available to you to be done, which mm -hmm. which dictates the tempo of the game quite a lot. I'm one of the plays we had a, it was actually last weekend that had a really interesting feel to it because of the way those cards came out. Sure, there was yeah, indeed there was a there was the opportunity of a loan choke strategy. Which we'll come back to, but it was interesting when only one player had money and the rest of us were sitting there working out how how much extra overtime we have to do at the fish shop to uh, and, and, be able to afford anything. And the player who who may have been struggling most for money uh, was the one who pointed out inadvertently to everyone else that he could be cut off from getting any more money. Well, yeah, don't, yeah. don't provide me with a stick to poke in your eye, Dave. That would Indeed. be my advice to you in the future. As the game goes on, at the end of each round, like Dave said, a card drops off the end of the of the carousel, and we bring a new one in. When there are no cards left in the decks, other function of the board, inverted commas, there's no cards left in the decks, the game's over. Okay, that's the signals, it signals the last round, and we're all going to be trying to scramble for shares and what little bit of value we can extract from the board, and when we'll do our scoring. Well, so a few things. I'm not going to talk to all the actions because there's 12 actions. Okay, lots of actions. Things that you expect to see, like buying extra workers. Things you wouldn't expect to see in a worker placement game, like buying shares. We're going to come to the structure of shares specifically, because I think our listeners will be interested to understand that versus other train games. Definitely. In terms of the general overview, there are building the stations. There are taking loans, and Martin Wallace-style loans. If you don't pay them back by the end of the game, there's a 50% interest rate. However, you can actively pay them back if you spend an action should the spot be available on the board. One of the more interesting things that intersects with the way the board works, you can buy cards out of a discard pile to create private worker placement spots. If you've got the money to A, buy the card, and then B, fuel the worker's activity afterwards, because most of the spots have an attendant cost, and money in this game is incredibly tight i would say this isn't a game where there's some sort of crazy catch-up mechanism if you waste your money you are going to be circling the drain yeah and i think you know th those loans are, are essential there's a finite amount the bank only has eight lo loan tokens i think it's eight isn't it um, it's definitely eight and uh ultimately yeah you know if they, once they're taken if they're not paid back then there's no more loans to go around yeah it's quite it's quite a tight economy principally eight all eight of those loans could be taken by one player there definitely isn't enough actions for them to pay eight loans back back. So in the deck, full stop. So they better be darn sure they make those loans work for them because they'll be on the hop for 12 grand. Or if you take the payback action as a private action spot, it's possibly a strategy. If, you do, if you're following a, a loan-heavy thing, I, I think, yeah, finance and economics, the loan part of it, the money flowing around in the game is a real big challenge. If, you're not, if you've not got the capital in your hands... It's a very hard game to make work. Certainly on mm. two or three of my plays through, I've, I've struggled to make sure I've got the money at the right time to do stuff. Well, let's talk about money and how it intersects with station builds. So 
stations pay when a train during the train phase that happens at the end of the turn after all the worker placement has been done the trains will move across the board and they'll move a fixed number of spots and when they intersect with a station the various stakeholders will be paid specifically if i own the station and dave you own the train then you'll get 200 yen in um in money no you're your train owner in this one trainer sorry your your train owner sorry yeah the company will get the money and i will get cash yeah i pay you for using your station in You've effect but i not as a person the bank in effect covers mm. my my fee wow. to craig the, you know, the season ticket holders pay, right, Dave? That's yeah. yeah you know, let's face it, the service users you, you pay get, as you it should be. You get money for people walking up to your station, mm. basically. Indeed, they're buying tickets. Um, but if Dave owns both of those entities... The train and the station. Indeed. Then the company takes all the money because the station doesn't charge the train any service fees for taking tickets. And, and, and being you know completely transparent here, that's one of those patterns in the game that I've struggled to get my head around. You know, I, I've put stations down the board had trains running through and going this is fantastic oh it doesn't give me any money it yeah. gives company money and i had wonderfully valued companies that that again we'll talk some of the mechanisms of how other players can um interject with your financial company later on but um but ultimately uh yeah you, you're then sat there going well i've got no cash to do anything else but i've got a richly successful company it's one of the game's core dichotomies is cash on hand is good and but the thing is, to get cash on hand, you have to assist other players driving the value of their train companies. And, and, and almost every worker, in fact, every worker placement spot comes with a premium on it, doesn't other than the, the one that gives you a discount. There's a few that will get you out of the hole, like ones that give you a discount on your future activities. That's quite interestingly structured, but we won't go into specifics of. There's ones where you can actually have the government run the train line for one bounce, but like all governments, they get bored, and um, the train line is only ephemeral, so unless some kind angel investor comes in and buys the shares to make it permanent, it's not going to be giving you money for very long. But I think that is an interesting way. Certainly I use that on going back to those previous experiences where I was cash-strapped. I started a train company that was going to run through my stations with the government, so it took no capital from me to set it up. Mm-hmm. The train company operated, put some liquidity into me as a player, and... Ultimately, I actually bought some shares in it because then it seemed like a good thing to do. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's it's one of two ways of getting yourself out of the gutter, right? Loans or um, or having a government uh, train line. Yeah, which is I say fine. So let's talk the shares because I think it's related to the actions, right? One of the actions you can take is buying shares. When you buy a share, the train company will start on its home station, which is on the westmost side of the board, and so by the Ginza line, it will start on G one. Those of you who are into Japan will know roughly where that is. And the train company will run to the end of the game. Now, there's only three shares in each company. The purchase price of the share is the action spot. That is the price of the worker placement spot. So I think they vary between 200 and about 500 for the share price spots. Yeah, the later game ones are 200 because you're, you know... Well, it depends, yeah. And the earlier ones are higher price. This is because the latter shares actually have a premium printed on them. So if you buy the second share in a company, let's say an opponent sees a company's doing well and wants wants a taste, they have to pay the price of the worker spot and the, and the premium. Plus the share premium, yeah. Mm, totally. So And that escalates to be quite a high price at the end. 300 and, 300 and 600. There's notionally three shares in every company. And as you said, the first one comes with no premium and then there's gradually increasing. So getting in on a successful company later is also quite a costly move. Well, this, I think it's linked to the, the subversion of shares that this does, right? There are no dividends in game from the train operations. All the money that goes into the company 
is paid out at the end to the shareholders. The president will get two thirds of the money and the leech will get one third of the money. If there's a freeway split, then the president gets half. Leech number one gets a third and leech number two gets one sixth. There's some handy stuff on the share tracker to help you work that out. It's not as onerous as it sounds. If a president's left alone and they, they hold all the shares or there's only one share issued, they'll get 100% of the money. Very unlikely, I think, to be in that situation at the end of the game, though, isn't it? Usually quite late-game actions are to try and hoover up shares because, you know, looking at, again, some other train train game genres that, we're, that we we like playing a lot of, there's no limit on, on holding both in individual companies or of player portfolio. Mm. Unless a train company's junk, right, and it's just developed no value, in which case I'll buy something else. The thing that I would say is quite interesting is when you buy the shares, I quite like this, it's a nice touch. When you buy the shares, the money goes into the company value. So you, in, because money is victory points, you invest the victory points into a company and worst case scenario, you're going to walk away with one sixth of them. Best yeah. case scenario, you get 100% of them back. Most likely scenario, if you play well, you'll get two thirds of that money back. But it lines up much more with being an investor um, in a company and putting capital into it, doesn't it? It's a nice little metaphor. It feels thematically linked. I like it. I think, you know, credit to Jordan, it could have been just as easy to make that money disappear into the ether. He didn't do that. The other type of financial investment is a bit weird to describe its speculation. Now, you can functionally, if all the shares are gone, or even if they're not, you can choose to bet against the company instead. Basically, as long as you do not have a share in that company, you can speculate on it. Indeed. And that also blocks you buying a share in the future. It means, at the end of the game, you get the money. Whatever you bet, you get back. It's a guaranteed return of your stake. You also get off the share tracker an amount back in commensurate with its performance. That money comes out of the company coffers before the various shareholders are paid. So it's a way to curb, stroke inhibit, the payout for a company that you are not directly invested in. Yeah, so as you say, it's, it's a very very limited risk bet because at minimum you're making back what you put into the pot. You've just lost that capital out of your own pocket. That's important the though, right? of the game. If it is a successful company that you've bet not yeah bet against speculated against, then then you are going to make some money out of that move, and and so it kind of feels like as a, a bit of a I don't want to say short selling that's, that's overstating it greatly, but there's an element of how do I pull some value out of this company to the detriment of the other shareholders. I don't think short selling is a bad metaphor. It wouldn't be appropriate to to describe it in in the rules manual, right? But in terms of the feel and the vibe, yeah, we're riffing here, man. Yeah, it's like a saxophone <laughs> concert. I don't think you're a million miles off. No, and I, I think, you know, again, the word speculation has struggled to resonate with me originally, but when I saw it in action, kind of could paraphrase it in my own head into that kind of, ah, okay, that's what we're doing. I'm sticking up some money, but ultimately pulling some money out of the company in that in that mechanism, then, then yeah, that made sense. It's one of the game's weirdest features to teach, though, right? Because it's strange that I put money against a company that it doesn't it, own <laughs> it doesn't it never sees the money yet it gets damaged by it yeah and that's it's almost like anti-marketing or something i don't know but it works as a mechanic and unlike the buying shares where the money goes into the company it feels natural this feels unnatural initially but once you see it in action you can see why it's necessary to balance yeah. the game and you can see why it's an interesting action. And I think it's it's a really key concept in the game, ultimately. it's As you say, it's the way that 
you're, you're either deciding you invest in a company and buy the shares, or if you don't invest in then you speculate against it if it's a good company. It's definitely a key part of the mix that stops the whole thing just being procedural. The other piece that I think is odd is the bike tokens and their value. So two of the actions you can do, you can pick up speed tokens that you can use to accelerate trains per, per permanently, or you can pick up a bike token because Japanese executives like bikes and they make you move faster. But you can, there's a worker placement spot that will come out of that deck where you can trade in one of those tokens for a station. Which is normally, again, another big capital drain buying a station. But just kind of kind of going back back on both of those points. So I think the, the bike... Um, one thing that we haven't well, it does, but we haven't really touched on it yet. But but at the end of the game, as the trains are moving, you can jump on a train as it goes past you, mm. um, and and ride the metro, um, which is cool. It's a cool feature. I, I like that. Yeah, thematically well, that resonated. It's like oh, okay, yeah, I can move myself around the board because I can get and use these, and that enables me to cover bigger distances than I think I could cover even with a bike. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think at high level play, I think going on the trains is part of it because the board is so big and when you're walking two squares a turn you're getting nowhere yeah i mean it's, it's quite dense in the middle of the game and, and clearly that's that's a a real choke point a real populous at the start but later in the game you're going to want to get out into the further reaches of the board totally touching on the woosh tokens as i think they've been called at various points in time speed speed token is a better phrase than that Woosh tokens in development, and I can't stop myself saying it. So, um, yeah, they are speed tokens yes. in a manual. You don't have to say the silly word if you don't wish to. No, but we will always say a silly word if given an opportunity. So I think with those, they, they obviously... Uh, trains travel a fixed number of stops on their route every turn, five five stops. And um, what they allow you to do is add that permanent increase uh, so they'll travel an additional extra stop per speed token they've got. Um, two of them can be allocated permanently to a to a train, and and any number of others can be allocated for a one-off benefit. What they do, obviously, tr- the, the the different metro lines that are in play in the game have a different number of stops on. And, and again, going back earlier to trying to work out how you derive money out of those trains moving, they go up and down the train lines, and so you may want them to run up and down them faster to to get to each end of it much quicker. You know, some of the lines have got as few as 10 12 stops one's got nine i think and and, and 22 is the the, the longest it's line it's actually 24 because it's a fisheye yeah so it's it does the first two stops twice each leg some of those lines are completely unviable for more than one run some of them are only really viable if you apply some um, speed tokens the other thing the speed tokens do is they block speculation so you can only speculate against a line if there's a spare spot where a speed token could live Yes, so, so that's an that's an interesting juxtaposition as a defensive move to stop yourself being speculated against. Get speed tokens in there. It's almost a zero cost move, though. I quite like counter moves in games to come at a cost of the person making the move. If that makes sense, I'm going to block your speculation, so then I'll hurt my company in a different way. Would almost feel more interesting than I'm going to yeah. make my company better and it stops uh, you doing an interesting thing and, and and possibly derive more value into it. And hey, you can't now bet against me at that point. Yeah, I think in in in, in you know in the couple of games I've played. Almost certainly one move at some point, somebody has, has really kind of stopped the ability for people to speculate against it. You kind of almost sometimes have to speculate early on the risk that the company is going to be good mm. because as soon as it gets good, the player's looking at ways to defend that. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. It, I feel maybe in future games, when a company a player is half invested in a company, that kind of pot-committed thing, but they haven't fully built it yet, maybe that's the time to do speculation. Yeah, I, d- I think it becomes an early game action, but I don't think you see that 
on your first three plays of the game. No, not at all. Speaking to stations, we've kind of implied it. Some stations are structurally better than others. They'll have more lines running through them. They'll get more traffic. And as such, they'll pay out more money. Luckily, Jordan's accounted for this in the design. Specifically, there's a scaling cost associated with the better stations. So, yes, so, so the ones where multiple lines interact cost more than the ones where mm-hmm. um, a single line runs through. And it's a multiplier of the cost of the worker placement spot you nab. So, it's, like I say, I, I appreciate the fact that with a fixed map, some accommodation has been made for the fact that some things are better than others, therefore we'll scale the costs accordingly. It would, you know, it would have been very easy to not lend that sufficient thought and for it to, to just have something that doesn't even work, right? But this works and it feels balanced the way it's costed. Yeah, absolutely. It makes the, those prime real estates, and let's be honest, you're probably going to be looking at those as early as you can, uh, it makes them, them hard to get and, and really draining that, that limited capital. Well, there's an interesting tension there, right? I could trade in a bike for it if it's a real plum spot and pay nothing for it, but are you going to let me or are you going to go there and just pay out of pocket? Yeah. And then in which case, that bike token I picked up earlier, it's suddenly it's not a Cannondale, it's a Raleigh that no one wants. You know, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different kettle of fish. You will play for X rounds, and the rounds, there's more rounds when there are fewer players, and there are fewer rounds when there are more players. We'll get to the end, we'll look at our cash, we'll clear the coffers of the companies, as per the split I mentioned earlier, we'll pay off any loans that are outstanding, and then we'll have a winner. Most cash wins at that point. So I think we've talked enough to the game structure. Let's talk to our thoughts and views and some of the, some of your tributes. Unless, you, unless I've missed something, Dave. No, no, not that you've missed anything, but one of the things I wanted to just touch on briefly were the components and the, and the quality of it. So totally. I previously got uh, one of Jordan's other games, Import Export. He does very small form package boxes. Tokyo Metro and, and, and the Tokyo Series continue down that theme of trying to get as much as you can in a, in a small compact box i think he achieves that very well throughout this i think one of the more interesting things was the design decision to to put the map on a a cloth at this point yeah let's let's circle back to that specific things i think that demands unpacking haha but um on the whole ironing maybe exactly yeah on the whole i think the production is stellar I was there was some things that changed during the production, like um, the, the little pyramids becoming made out of resin, and one of the player colours is nude wood. And my thoughts were, how the heck are you going to colour match resin to nude wood? Credit to him, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's very well done. It's got very unique um, style and, and 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 you know very thematic artwork across it all, really, isn't it? Yeah, and the things that are very tiny print, such as the share trackers or the um, the line names around the side of the of the train markers, they have come out pin sharp. Yes. Like, I just can't see a ground for complaint there. The map, talk to the map. Forget the cloth aspect of it. The map has issues, in so much as I've got some colorblind friends who this just doesn't work for. And I, I think you know, the center of Tokyo, quite realistically, is very dense. There's a lot of tube lines that intersect. Mm. There's a lot going on. It's a very busy map. Um, I think. Well, I'll, I'll save my views on that for the end. But I certainly think it's something that that can cause some challenges to reading and interpreting how the game works. Well, technically, it's double encoded, right? So the color blindness shouldn't be an issue. You've got the line name. You've, you've got names. You've got numbers. You've got letters. letters. You've got plenty of information there. But but I think the density and uh, of information in such a small part of the board, the, the map, the cloth, is quite a brain overload looking well, at it i wouldn't want to be trying to interpret that in grayscale no and 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 don't get me wrong you know again it, ignoring the colorblind factor uh it does look visually visually stunning it's it's real it is the tokyo metro system map and i think that's f- fair to recognize that right 
Jordan's limited by what is in the real world, okay? The thing's called Tokyo Metro. He wanted to make something that was inspired by his experiences of Tokyo. If he then takes too many liberties with the map and makes it, okay, actually, that's a bit too tight there. Da-da. It, it becomes Tokyo-ish Metro. It, yeah, it ceases to... You might as well be... At that stage, it's Lilliput Metro or something, right? It's uh, referencing another one of our episodes. It's, you know, it just becomes nonsense versus what he was trying to achieve. Going on to other aspects then, Dave. My thoughts on this, right? I really like what this does in so many ways i can't think of anything that quite so seamlessly blends train game furniture with euro game mechanics i'm also going to address an elephant in the room as well one of my biggest reservations with it was that it's got a fixed board mentioned it earlier however i've played this over 20 times now way over 20 times um, maybe not all the plays logged, but lots of plays. Well, and let's not forget, you've also demoed it uh, yeah. extensively and, and also on BGG TV. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'd I'll, like don't to just bring me. that in for you. Don't embarrass me. Yeah, I, I spoke to this on BGG TV. Uh, bias, disclosure, blah, blah, blah. Talk it, sorry, I've lost my friend. Sorry, I'm so I, embarrassed. I I'm so, so embarrassed. So, so I, I, will, I will now come in and kind of echo some of those thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's... It has train game tropes. I think, you know, you see the things that you'd expect to associate with it, you know, routes, shares, investment, all those kind of things that, that in, in those train games we all know and love. But it's a very fresh, a very different take on it. It's it's very, very different. Um, I, I You know, I came away from it the, the first time I played it going, wow, that's... That's not what I was expecting when I when you set it up and put it on the table. I'm mm. looking at it going, okay, I can see the train aspect. I can see the the stocks and shares investment angle. I think I can have a view on how this is going to play. Nope, it was very different. Well, I think it's quite telling, right, that I know for a fact, and this shocked me, that Jordan hadn't played an 18xx game before he designed this because I we played his <laughs> you, first 18xx. You gave him his first experience of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, we played 1848 Australia with him, I think. That's a steep learning curve for anyone as well. <laughs> Indeed. And you know what? Weirdly, I think it works to this game's advantage because he's not been... Ha- he's not got the bias of, of yep. prejudice thinking because of other train games in the market because it would have been very easy to kind of take some of those Tokyo abstractions and put them into an 18x or an Age of Steam type system. We'll go the other way, right, and go, oh, these are shares, so they have to pay dividends. Other share games I've got pay yeah, dividends. Yeah, He's... So, yeah, no credit to him for ignoring that and, and following a, a very different, as I say, fresh is the, the word that came to mind for me, mm. path. Let's go back to printed map, and then we'll talk to kind of neg- negatives, I guess. Despite the fact it's pre-printed, every game I've played of this has been pretty unique, right? In, in the sense that, yes, there's some plays you can make, but are you going to get to make them? Is someone going to block you? Do you go for something different this game? And I, and I think you're also held by the order. That, as you say, there is an element of seeding in the worker cards coming out. But is the spot come out yet? The things you want to do? Have you got the capital to take the action you want to take? Yeah, there's lots that make it a very, very different experience every time within the same system and the same construct. Indeed. I've never felt, oh, I'm just playing this version of the game again. There might be strong moves, but I don't feel like there's set moves. Agreed. And I think, you know, it's it's very situational. Um, as, as I think as we alluded to earlier, we played a game at the weekend and, and the, the early game presented lots of loan-taking opportunities and that, that dried the bank up of that in the late game and players were circling around trying to get some money by any means possible. So I, I've played the opposite game where loans just don't come up and then you're just scrapping around in the drains trying to find money early but on. But that's kind of okay because it's affecting all the players equally at that point. Sure, so, no, yeah, so. yeah, no, indeed. And I like the fact there's that variance, right? The other thing I really appreciate 
is that the interaction feels really meaningful, right? The interaction is absolutely rippling through it. Yeah. I interact with your stations. My trains affect your payouts. Your stations affect my payouts. I can positively or negatively influence your company by either buying shares or speculating in it. And that's just on top of the standard action-blocking thing of worker placement, right? The other interesting kind of observed characteristic is that unlike other worker placement games he who buys the most workers doesn't necessarily win because if you don't have the attendant cash to fuel the workers activities you've got nothing so i thought that was interesting it meant that buying extra workers wasn't a fair accompli yeah i think you have the opportunity ultimately to acquire six workers i don't think i've seen anyone get all six i've seen it i've seen it it can, it can really work but they also then need to take a lot of loans as well. So if they get blocked on the loans, they've just got a lot of workers not doing a heck of a lot. That way they have to do the discounting strategy where they use the workers to discount everything they do. But then you can block the thing they're trying to do, which then subverts them getting a discount. Or if you have surplus workers and, and pass, so, so you're taking actions until you either have no workers left or are passing. If you pass and have workers left, you get a little bit of cash, but it's it's small fry change, isn't it, ultimately? Nominal. Nominal. But, it's, it's consolation price. But again, in that last game where I was, I had no loans available to be taken and, and was left sat there going with not much to do, I was having to pass with workers to try and generate some, some seed capital. So one thing we didn't talk about is bidding for turn order. So I think we can probably do that in a sentence, right? You bid, you bid for turn order. And pay the bid. But again, that's a capital cost each player's playing up front at the start of each round. So you're diminishing the amount of money you've got to take activity in, mm. the, in the round. And there's a real fine balancing line, again, on that tight economy. Yeah, and there's some interesting elements to the reordering. Um, if you don't if you don't bid money, then you don't get the benefit from flip-flopping the turn order on tied bids, stuff like that. Ultimately, I think you're right. The biggest impact of it is money's already tight. It makes it even tighter. I'm going to be critical now, okay? Here's the critical, that cloth map. It's a fine cloth map, okay? Absolutely fine. I don't think you shouldn't buy it because it's got a cloth map. I think what you do if you don't like the cloth map is you buy a piece of perspex and you put the perspex over the cloth map and you functionally have a board. It's fine. I just wish there had been, and I appreciate logistically this would have been a blooming nightmare because of the way Jordan ships stuff but I wish there was a an add-on for cardboard board I, I think it would have been possible to fit in the box and design aesthetic that he's trying to follow but but I'm inclined to agree um you know the cloth map it's lovely it's it's exceptionally well produced you know there's absolutely no criticism of it as a product but yeah maybe I'm a little bit old school I want a board I, I like boards in my board games, I guess. There's, there's a clue in the title there somewhere. But to be fair, right, if you don't mind Age of Steam style things and you're happy to go to a print shop and get a thick poster printed or whatever it is to float your boat, you can... The, the files there, there are ways around it, I think. The, the files there? online for the print and play are still there. Jordan still has them up on his site, I believe. I could be wrong. And if you own the game, I'm sure Jordan's not going to mind you printing off a map that suits your needs. I think I think the Perspex is, is the most quick and cost-effective answer. Oh, it's yeah, like, it's like two quid on Amazon. It's, it's not a problem. I think other criticism I would level of it as well, there is, as you'd expect in some of these things, there's quite a high degree of math in the game, trying to work out what's going to end up where and also how the money is going to pay out across companies. I think one of the things that's, that's an interesting pattern that I've struggled to get my head around with on the number of plays, and that possibly says more about me than, than anyone else, is the whole predicting how the game is going to work. So, you know, you've got to predict where the trains are going to go, how am I going to get that money out of that movement. Yeah, trying to just kind of... 
it's a pattern that, that I've struggled to, to resonate in my head, I guess. So that's no, not no, no, nothing, criticism. Nothing wrong with that at all, but it is the game. If you don't enjoy the activity or don't enjoy attaining mastery of said activity, then there's probably a limit on how much you're going to enjoy this. Yeah, and I think I think there's an element of forward planning there, isn't it? I guess that's the phrase I'm looking for, really. You've got to work out what's going to end up where and how can you intersect with it by whatever means possible. Is it a train game, Dave? Um, I think it's not an archetypal train game. I think no. it does things very fresh and differently, as I've already said. Does it does it do the things? Does it have the elements of train we would describe as constituting a train game? Absolutely, but it isn't. It isn't the same as anything you've seen before. And so, for that and that reason alone, I think it's. Well, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, worthy of consideration. I agree. It's a train game, not because it uses the furniture. It's a train game because it has a graph theory challenge and it has economy. And I think you know the other question we traditionally ask ourselves in quite a few episodes: Would we use this game as an introductory game to teach people? Obviously, you're not teaching them a system in this one, but is it something that you'd, you know, somebody racks up new to a games night and you're like, right, hey, let's sit down and play this? Uh, no. Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree. It, it's it's you've got to be confident the person sat around the table from you can do a lot of the the mental uh, forward planning and thinking and yeah it's quite a quite a cliff to get up even for a seasoned game but here's where i was pitching this okay and i think it's a good descriptor it's heavier than funkenschlag it's lighter than lisboa it's medium heavy right i'd be more comfortable teaching somebody who's played a lot of caverna and stuff like that this is their next step than i would teaching them lisboa and saying let's crack on Okay. No, I see where you come from. I think, yeah, because it is, I think it's a hybrid Euro heavy weight game. I'm not sure what it's hybriding with, but but yeah, it's kind of got, got, you know, it has elements that will be familiar to people. So I think, as you say, it's not something you, you drop on people on the first time they turn up at a games night, but it is something you could easily put out for some, your, your friend who is, is a, you know, as you say, experienced with worker placement and those types of things and wants to try something a little bit different, I think it will resonate for train gamers, it will resonate for Euro gamers. Yep. You know, it works in all, all phases, really. As you say, a very well-designed well package. Totally. I mean, I would say if you're going to use it for teaching anyone, it's teaching people to love the furniture of train games. Indeed, indeed. And on that note, I think that feels like a really good note to start wrapping up. So I just want to close out with some thank yous. Thank you to Jordan Draper for giving us a review copy to make this episode possible. Yeah, no, thank you, Jordan. We really appreciate that. And thank you to you guys for listening and making this a worthwhile activity. We'll close out with some how to get in touch with us notes. If you want to get in touch with us via Twitter, we are... At the train rush. I had to think of that for a second there, sorry. Sure. If you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, we are... The train rush. If you want to get in touch with us... On touch? In, in touch, touch. In touch. With us on Instagram the underscore train underscore rush all the best names have underscores and finally if you want to email us it's craig at the train rush.com or dave at the train rush.com and also we have a bgg guild which is 3342 lovely well remembered dave hopefully that's the right number and, and, and going back to the instagram is it a case of my underscores bring all the trains to the yard yep yeah right, dave is learning to love the intro so thank you very much for joining us thank you